Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lord, we thank you for allowing us in your presence again this evening. Lord, last night we talked about the miracle of the man who was healed, and the blind man was healed in Bethsaida. We talked about good. We talked about grace. We talked about these times that we're in. And Lord, tonight I would like to say again something real short about the times because it's very important for us to understand that we're coming to the time of the famine of the word. And people have no idea because it's not being taught what that means. And it's very important for us to understand it. I'm going to speak tonight on a couple more of the miracles. And I want to clarify something about the miracle of Bethsaida, the blind man that you healed. And when you spit in his eyes, I want to clarify that again for the people that might understand that, because it's very important we understand the background laws of this. And we should be very careful what we're doing at this time, because we are not who we think we are. And we are not ready for the coming of the Lord. And we need to get ready because the time is very short. But I would like to remind you, I, I've not to remind you, Lord, but you because you were with me. But Father, people, I, I've tried to make known since November 1997 that they're going to create a religious war. They're going to bankrupt the nations and they're going to take away the sovereignty of America. That is a fact. It is a, a thing that they're doing. And Lord, they, they warned that they're going to start this with any number of things among them that they've talked about. And Lord, it's it's coming like a flood, meaning every kind of thing we can think of. You said, dear Lord, it's going to be a terrible time like none that's ever come before. And it's about to be upon us. And Lord, it's going to last a period of time on the earth. I mean, it's going to last until the end of the bold judgments in reality. But we're just at the ending of the sealed judgments. And dear Lord, the seal judgments is very interesting because punishment will come upon the wicked, but blessing upon those who are set apart by truth. They will be set apart. They will be able to be refined. They'll be made white. And they'll pass through these troubles. The troubles are coming in the morning. It's like you troubled the Pharaoh in the, in the night, but then you killed them in the coming of the morning. And dear Lord, at this time, the fourth Sealed judgment is death and Hades. So a lot of death and Hades is going in death and the way of hell, the troubles and tribulations and all that are going to come at this time of the morning as we're coming into the morning of the day of the Lord. It's about to start. The separation judgment, the people will find out that they were separated. They were judged and they don't have a right to his words anymore. We're going to see that this time because he seals his instruction in the night. The separation judgment will occur in the night. But then it will be manifested at the coming of the morning that the, the sea came upon the Pharaoh as the sun was rising. And we're going to see the same kind of thing, I believe. That's where it's ending up as that was what you're doing. And Lord, we, you know, we've tried to understand these things the best we could all this time. 
We do know that if we'd have came out during the time of the evening, the whole world could evangelize, been evangelized, because you said that in the evening time there will be light. In other words, the Spirit would have been so powerful, it would have worked upon the people if they would have heard the words, but they would not hear the words from 2003 to 2010. So here we are in the night, and we're in 2017, and this is the last of the night, coming in April, to the best of my knowledge, best of my understanding, and <clears throat> that means the morning is coming, and we are at the end of the, the winter, and it's really sad that we don't come out quickly. Now, we do know that you never change your way, so the possibility is that with the spring harvest, which is always the first fruit harvest, we should understand that is what is coming. And we must be ready for that harvest because his people are the first fruits. Your people are the first fruits. They must come out quickly and they must come out early. There'll be a harvest, a late fig harvest and so on, but it won't be very good. It'll be very painful because those people will go through the troubles of the summer, the heat, the, the troubles. And then if they turn like the one good leper who is healed, they turn and worship God at that time. Maybe he will heal them. That's what it's talking about. Maybe he might heal them in Matthew 13. They have to rest and have to hope on the Lord at that point. But they're going to go through the troubles. That's the problem that they have. Now, I'd like to point out that I've stated they're going to do this war. I've kept telling them about those wars coming. And you're making it known. But now there's no excuse for the people. And I have a good point to this. We have... On record, a video that's posted almost everywhere now of Loretta Lynch, the former attorney general, speaking. And she is, there's no way other to take this with the flood of the dragon's mouth, that she is enticing people to riot, as I said they will do. And I said many of these alternative news agencies, you'll see, they're going to start causing and telling people we must get their guns, we must revolt, we must stand against this, we must argue. That is not what to do. At this time, the only thing that works is to set the people apart by truth because every person on earth is being judged at this time. And if they will judge others at this time without bringing the harvest to them, they will be judged. We must be very careful. People don't understand that this is a time of the harvest. The work of God at this time is to harvest all those who will turn. Yes, he's going to punish the tares. That's why he said judgment is mine. But if you read Hebrews 10, 24 to 31, the Lord is telling us at this time we must gather together and stir up love and good works. Where does he say love and hate, love and anger, love and vengeance? He says vengeance is mine. Hebrews 10, 31. We are to stir up love and good works, focused on the harvest, focused on the kingdom, and will be set apart in the kingdom because he says those who are peacemakers are those who are going to receive. They'll be called sons of God. They're going to be set apart in his kingdom. They're going to get the kingdom of God. That's very important for us. Now, listen to what Lynch is saying. Lynch says, this is what she's saying uh, in here. And I'll just quote a part of this that's on the, uh, you can get the video anywhere on the internet. Loretta Lynch. Um, and it's, uh, here's what she's saying. I know this is a time of great fear and uncertainty from so many people. She makes it sound really good, by the way, you listen to her. But pay attention to what she's saying. 
says, I know it's a time of concern for people who see our rights being assailed, being trampled on, and even being rolled back. I know that this is difficult, but I remind you that this has never been easy. We have always had to work to move this country forward to achieve the great ideals of our founding fathers. Lynch, who is scheduled to receive the Thomas Jefferson Foundation Medal of Law of the University of Virginia, goes on to say, it has been people, individuals who have banded together, ordinary people who simply saw what needed to be done and came together and supported those ideals who have made the difference. They have marched, they have bled, and yes, some of them have died. This is hard. Every good thing is. We have done this before. We can do this again. That is the most outrageous, most outlandish speech that I've ever heard from somebody in government in a time like this when the thing that they're, you know, the same lady has been railing against, against hate, railing against uh, people protesting against the goals of the government and these kind of things. And here she is doing this. She's telling people to riot. She's telling people to protest. She's telling people to march. God says, don't do that. Revelation 18, 1 to 4 tells you to come out from following these leaders of the nations. And this is a good example why. Because you're going to, if you follow her and do what she's saying, you're going to receive of their sins. And I've told you, they want to create a religious war, a civil war, a hate war. That's what they're building. And then they're going to bring in a military war. And they're going to have the UN come in with Interpol. And they're going to take over policing the people. And, you know, they I've explained to you, just like the Lord says in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, Mark 13, 19 to 20. And I've named you the names of the people involved. And I've told you who they are and what they're planning to do in this global genocide program which they're going to try to reduce, as the Lord said, they'll kill all flesh on the earth. They are trying to destroy all flesh. There's an excellent video I watched today, someone gave to me, showing the, the way of the Morgellons disease and so forth. But I can tell you that the same lady who's in charge of all the science research, in charge of the global genocide program, is a biologist, microbiologist, a great one. Her and her husband, and they report to the Rothschilds, and they're related to them, and they're in charge of this. They have the authority to make wars, to make viruses, to do all of this, because their their goal or their instructions is to meet the objectives of the Crown Trust for the population uh, uh, reduction that the Crown Trust has given them, which I've told you they want to reduce it down to between six and thirty million people left alive. That's over 7 billion they're going to kill. That's their plan. God has a different plan. He's saying that these people, they're going to, they're headstrong and we've waited too long to evangelize them. So there's going to be many of them who will not hear the word and will not come out when the compelling event is called. And the Lord tells us in Revelation 6, 7 to 8, that about one fourth of those on the earth are going to die. Why is that? The way of the first spirit is they must choose the way of the words. They must come out to the light. And to these who will not come out, one-fourth are going to die because that's the way of the first spirit of God. You know, we're supposed to ride the four horses. The way of the first four spirits is how we're supposed to work our everyday life. We must set ourselves apart from the world. 
by light, by hearing the words and seeking knowledge. And then that's that's first seal judgment, the spirit of the Lord. We must seek that spirit. See, the spirit of the Lord, he tells us in Proverbs 1, 23, that if we will turn to him, he'll pour out the spirit upon us so we can cause, be caused to know his words. That's the second. That takes you to the second uh, spirit of God, which is what? It's a spirit of wisdom. He makes known his words of wisdom to us. Then we come to the third spirit where we are able to gain understanding. We, are, we receive understanding. That's the spirit of understanding, the third spirit of God. And once we have understanding of how to, to, to do the way of the words, to enable the good fruits of God to be done, then we need to counsel the Lord. Like when to do this. See, Jesus got the counsel of the Father every morning. He awoken him with a word to speak to those who are weary. That is in uh, Isaiah 50 and 4. You'll see that there. So that is the way of the fourth spirit. The Father was doing this for the Lord. He's saying every morning you woke in him with a word to speak to those who are weary. See, the work was the harvest. Jesus came into the world not to make war. He came into the world to harvest the world. If they would have heard him, they would have, it would have been at that time that all men could have been turned. See, they wanted to kill the Romans. They wanted to have riot. They wanted to kill the Romans. They wanted to kick them out. They just wanted to prosper in the way of the world. They did not want to receive the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. Jesus told them to pray every day, the kingdom of God come as it is in heaven. We pray that today. People say they pray it. They're not looking for the kingdom of God to come. They're looking to adapt the, the world, or they're looking to be raptured and eat marvelous meals in heaven. But they're not looking to do what they need to do. So I would just explain to you in brief the way the four spirits again and that's very helpful for you to understand it because the Lord tells us we will overcome the world with righteousness, not with vengeance, not with anger. You know, you can be anger at the things being done. But at the end of the day, the calling card that you've been given to do at this time is to speak forth the words of God to do good. If they reject that, if they will not hear the message of the words of God, you've done everything you can up until the time when they come forward. See. You have to understand, the harlot has been given this thing in their mouths, as he says in Ezekiel 38. And the Lord says there will be a given time when they will come out. And that's the time you must be set apart and ready for that and protected by John 5.24, which means you hear the voice of the Lord, you believe in the promises of the Father, and then you'll have eternal life and that you will um, pass through these judgments. A one with eternal life doesn't worry about this life. They don't worry about the things of this life. They're worried and considering themselves how to bring forth the kingdom of God in, on this earth because they know that, as it says in Daniel 12, 9 and 10, we must be first purified. Let's get rid of all of our sins, our ideas of sin, our ideas of darkness. We must be made white so all we desire is righteousness. And then we'll be refined because we'll be allowed to call upon the words of God to give glory to him. If we're focused on that, these other things be passed aside. The devil, as it says in Revelation 12, will test the people. He has the right to test us now. And you need to, you need to understand that. We need to understand that. If he has the right to do that, then it's our job to persevere and wait on the Lord. And it's our job to continue to do the way of the harvest. 
to speak forth righteousness and persevere in that and be patient. And if we do that, then all of a sudden the Lord is going to give authority to them. You know, people in Egypt were in captivity and so forth. God didn't come in the first day and say, oh, come on, let's go out. He could have done it. He could have just said, be here, and they would have moved. Just like he said, you can ask this tree to be moved from here to there, and it'll be moved. The people of Israel is like a tree. He could have asked for that tree to be moved over here. All he had to do was say it, and it would have been done. But that's not what he did. That's not what he's going to do at this time. God is giving a test so he can cause all people to stumble. Many people are stumbling with the wrong ideas at this time. They have the wrong goals in mind. And mercifully, God has not punished them. Mercifully, God has not sealed them out yet. But he will very soon if they will not turn, like he says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, and then warns us in Revelation 3, 14 to 22. We must pay attention. Okay, now, I've discussed those things because we need to understand the way of the Lord. And I've tried to explain the miracles, and I keep talking about the way of the spirits and so forth, and I'm sure there's many people out there just mocking that. Well, I'm not sure of that, but if they are, it's a bad thing. But if if they will hear it and begin to seek it, to understand it, God will guide you to understand it. That's what he's promising you in Proverbs 1.23. You don't have to believe me. I'm not asking for a following. I'm not asking for anything. I'm doing the job the Lord gave me to do. And that is to tell you that he's coming, tell you how he's coming, tell you what you have to do to get ready. And all I'm doing is telling you from the scriptures like the shepherds should have been doing. In other words, the shepherds, I met with a few shepherds, leaders, big guys. And what are they doing? They're saying we have to wait on the Lord. There's nothing we can do. In the meantime, they negotiate with the people in Washington. They go on doing everything they're not supposed to do. And that, you know, they're selling their messages. They're doing all these things. And nowhere is a message of the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of the words of God being preached in any churches that I know of in all the world. How shameful that is. So let's go on tonight. And, you know, we've already burned through about 18 minutes. I'm very sorry, but 18, by the way, is a great number because that's a number for the healing. If we will turn to God at this time, he will heal us. And that's always a thing I think we'd want to know. Um, last night we talked about the, the man, about the trees and the walking. We talked to some of that, and it may have been very confusing to people. But I want to go back to, to the, what the Lord did about the spitting on his eyes and put his hands on him. See, the spitting of the eyes is, is important for us to grasp because that's a way that people do, and many people do this terribly. I mean, it's a, if you are not spitting on something for the way of righteousness, it's a bad thing. It's, it's really a bad thing. Because what you're doing in the day when we are to walk forward in righteousness, we're walking full and forward in darkness. Our intent is not for people to be, repent and come to knowledge of truth. The, the intent is that they might be another way. So be careful on those things. Now, I, what, I, what I'm pointing that out is I don't want people to take out, uh, misunderstand what I'm saying. Because spitting is a, is a it, normally you would consider it a punishment. Um, when you see these things in the scriptures, you'll see this. 
like in Deuteronomy 25.9, excuse me, I'm sorry, Numbers 12.14, that's where I wanted to be. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, this is when Miriam, he struck Miriam with leprosy, with tisaret, the, the disease of tisaret, which is worse than leprosy. It's when the skin um, is just, I mean, it turns white and then you get the boils, you get all those things come out. Remember Job's punishment, that, that is tisaret. Um, the whole flesh is going to be just terrible. Pus will come out and all that other stuff. Um, when when um, Miriam was trying to say that, you know, why should Moses only be the one making decisions? Well, God chose and anointed Moses to do this, by the way. And he was the one anointed by God for it. But constantly people tried to stir up and believe that they had every right. And they were called just like him, like Korah. Korak was so convinced, and him and the other guys that followed him were so convinced that God had called them to be leaders, that they stood with the, the lamp in the doorpost of their tent, and God swallowed them through the earth. Because they absolutely believed it. They were totally convinced that they were anointed for that cause, and they weren't paying attention at all to God, nor were they seeking for it. But they were misleading the people, and they'd already structured 250 people under them as teachers to follow them it's a terrible thing when, when people just arbitrarily take things without understanding but they should have known how are they getting the knowledge of the words it was coming through moses and teaching them then the spirit was teaching them additional things after they heard it from there it multiplied <clears throat> but there's always one it works that way god works that way just like he sent his son and from his son we get the words and so he uses Moses at that time. He would bring them out. He gave him the command. He will bring them out. He will take them into the promised land and so on. Well, it says here that uh, then the Lord said to Moses, if her father, if Miriam's father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And afterward, she may be received again. And, and spitting is so bad. That if a person, it says, um, let's get on here and look at this law in Leviticus. If he who has a discharge spits on him who is clean, then he, the clean one, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. See, spitting is, is very, very bad. And a discharge you know, like a blood discharge or something like that is symbolic of something. The discharges of anything like this, whether it's hate or anger or uh, selfishness or something like that, if they spit on a person to get their own way or to, 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 to cause their own judgment that is not in alignment with what a God is doing at this time, then that is that that person's unclean. If they spit on you, it makes you unclean. So if it makes you and it spit on a clean person, think what it's doing to an unclean person. It's amplifying their uncleanness. In other words, if you if an unclean person spits on an unclean person, then what's what's happening? They both are going to get more unclean because the devil loves it. The devil loves it. He's guiding us into the wrong way. So we've got to be careful of these kind of things. Spitting is very important. Because what it is, is the water of the word. That's why Jesus did it here. He was showing us something. See, spitting is a day of judgment. And as I told you, he had already judged 
Bethsaida. Bethsaida had all those works done and nobody wanted to, wanted to hear. And it became a problem um, because, you know, the Lord, this man, they wanted him to heal him. They pleaded with him to do it. And Bethsaida is a place of fishing. In other words, they had the calling. The Spirit had gone before the Lord. It's just like in this day. The Spirit of the Lord is to go before his people. If we're really walking in the way of the Lord in the time of the compelling event, the word will go before us and it will cause people to hear. It will draw out those who want to hear the word and those who are not of the word will stir up, but they won't be able to do anything because God will cause them uh, to be punished. You know, he'll cause them to have the devil come upon them, but he can, they cannot harm his oil and wine in the day of famine. See, read Revelation 6, 5 to 6, and you'll see that in the day of the famine, nothing can harm his oil and wine. Oil is those with knowledge. The wine is those with the plan of peace, the plan of eternal, the eternal city, the plan of the kingdom of heaven coming on earth as it is in heaven. Those can't be touched at that time of when the famine comes. So when this famine comes, you have the promise there that the oil and wine cannot be touched. That's important to remember. And that's the third spirit, the spirit of understanding. And that means there's oil and wine is doing, and you know, the third spirit is those who produce good fruit. Oil and wine, symbolic of the same thing. And the other guys don't have understanding, so what happens to them? Their instruction gets harder to get. You see that in, you know, Amos 4, when you read like verses 6 to 9, you see... In Amos 4, 6 to 9, you'll see that God, all the way actually to the end of the chapter, in verse 13, it's showing you in that chapter that the Lord punishes those that they might turn. They're going to get more trouble and more trouble and more trouble until they finally learn that they got to turn to the Lord. He's their only answer. So he allows these things to come upon them as it's been happening to us. We've got GMO seeds. we got the vaccination giving uh, you know, autism to our children. We got all these things being allowed because we're allowing it. We have not set ourselves apart into the kingdom of God by obeying John 17, 17 and Joel 2, 12 to 20. Because of that, all these things bad are coming upon us. Economic collapse is going to come upon us and it's going to get worse upon us because we're allowing it to happen by our refusal to hear. Our refusal to obey the instruction of the Lord that he's already given. Preachers are saying, we must wait on the Lord to give us instruction. No, he's given you instruction. You're not listening. You must listen because it's in the scriptures. It's not coming from a man's mouth. It's coming right there in the scriptures. And he promises you in Proverbs 1, 20 to 23, that if you will hear his words and turn to him, he will pour out his spirit upon you and cause you to know his words. Let me give you another example of Bethsaida. You remember the the Lord uh, is this in John uh, twelve. Jesus was he came to uh, Bethsaida. I mean he, he came. I'm sorry, somebody came from Bethsaida, and it's very interesting how the Lord does this. It's another miracle. It says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew to, and, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, let me, let me check on something here. I want to just catch. Yeah. See, Peter, Andrew, and Philip are from Bethsaida. So Andrew also is from Bethsaida. And they came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And I've told you that Bethsaida means place of fishing or the place of hunting. In other words, the, the words were there. And they wanted to see Jesus. But remember, the disciples at this time had not yet received the word of God. They were, he was speaking them. He was doing them in front of them, but they hadn't caught it. It's just like today. So many people hear of the words. They, they listen a little bit, but they're not willing to put in that work of seeking out the truth from the Lord so that he will cause them to know his truth, which is the desire of God. The desire of God is we all be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Jesus says we must be set apart by truth, which is God's words. Then we're sanctified. That's being sanctified. When we get that, we're sanctified. We're made holy because why? The full measure of the Spirit of God is in his words. John 3.34. So you got Peter and Andrew coming, I mean, Philip and Andrew coming to the Lord. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come. See, it's very interesting. He's, he's like, you don't quite understand. You know, they want to see Jesus. And they were Greeks. And remember that the Lord had only come to the house of Israel at that time. But it was going to be that after the cross, the Jews would be rejecting it, and it would be given to the Gentiles. Matthew um, 21, 43 to 44, and also Acts 28, 28. So it says, Jesus answers them with this wisdom, same wisdom that I just told you about at the time of the Gentiles. So he says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. See, the nation of Israel is like the grain of wheat he's talking about here. It's going to die because they rejected the word. Jesus is going to die because they rejected the word because it's a stumbling and fall. He's going to pay the price for their sin so that there can be much fruit and include all the Greeks, the Gentiles, us. At this time, and it was opened at this time. It was open all this time from the time of the disciples till now, but they would not hear the words. So the words were lost again for nearly 17, 1800 years, and they weren't open again until 2003. And God has been calling it out since then, asking, even through prophets all over the world, asking to get the words of wisdom you do not know. And he says, I've caused the words to be received, but you've got to go find those and have the knowledge. They're not seeking that out. They won't even listen and see if you have the words or not. They won't do that. But go back and look at prophecies. You're going to see this over and over and over again. They keep saying the word. The whole Bible's the word. They're not listening. And that's what's going to happen is Matthew 7, 21 to 23, where he says, many prophets are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I, you know, did I prophesy in your name? Healers are going to say, didn't I heal many in your name? People who dealt with demons are going to say, didn't I cast out many demons in your name? He's going to say, your work is of lawlessness. Depart from me because you would not hear the word of the law, which is Psalms 119, 142. His truth is law. 
And he says in Psalms 119, 160, all his words are truth. That means God's words. And then Jesus says in John 17, 17, when he's praying to the Father, cause them to be sanctified, required of them. And they must be sanctified by your truth, which is the words of God. And so the judgment is set up. John 12, 48, it says that in this day, we're going to be judged by the words, which means that he had to open the knowledge of truth before he could judge us. There wouldn't be any fairness in that if he didn't do that, which is exactly what he says he would do in Zechariah 14, 7. The beginning of the day of the Lord would start with light. The entrance of his words is light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalms 119, 130. And he tells us this, that, He's going to judge us by this. The knowledge is going to be open. And he testified to it again. In Hebrews 10, Paul tells us, verses 24 to 31, that at this time, especially at this time of the end, when the knowledge of truth has been received, meaning it was compelled to be received. God caused it to be received on earth, as he usually does, like a mustard seed. He planted it, and now it grows. And many others are receiving it. But he's the one. All we can do is, enable you to receive, to hear of it and know the way, but you've got to get permission from the Lord to cause you to know the words. Proverbs one twenty three, He says, knock and you shall receive. Knock, you know, open the door and, and you will enter. Uh, the door is what? On the door is always the words of God. Deuteronomy 6.4.9, Deuteronomy 11.18-21. Uh, if he tells you that you must put his words on your doors, what do you think is in that? Doors of heaven and the gates of heaven, the words of God, they cannot change. He cannot change his ways. Malachi 3.6, he never changes. So here we have, the Lord is telling us that he's going to die so that this can be. He's really explaining the way the Gentiles to his disciples here. And when these people are going to come. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, he says you even got to hate your, your, your parents. Not, he doesn't mean you, because you're required to honor your mother and your father. But you do not want to live outside of the word. So you got to stand by that and have patience and do good for them that they will turn. And we're required to do that in Malachi 4. If we do not do that and do that for our children, he's going to curse our earth. In other words, we'll never have any blessing. Each one that does that. So we have to honor them, but at the same time, we not want to live outside of the word. We want the kingdom to come. And if they will not choose the kingdom, unfortunately, they will be cast out. But we have to do everything we can in righteousness and love, which is what he's saying in Hebrews 10, 24, required of us to stir up love and good works. Are you doing that? Are you stirring up love and good works with all those who hate you and so forth? That's what we got to do. Gather together for that. Because there's a time of judgment coming where those people are going to be set apart. The word is going to be taken from them. And then there's nothing you can do to get them the word when they're under the punishment. God doesn't want to punish the people. He never does. He tells us in Joel 2.32 that all who call upon his name is be saved. And if you don't give them the opportunity to call upon his name, what have you done? If you're, you know, if you're doing things in the way of the words for evil purposes, evil intent, punishment to come, then I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just very, very sorry. That's not of God. It's not of this time. 
And you can, you know, test that with God and believe what you believe. I'm just telling you what I can read and see. That's what I believe. Um, Paul is even telling us this. Okay. Uh, it says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. If we serve him at this time when he's sitting up there on the judgment seat, and what's he doing? He's trying his best to get these people to turn. He's doing all he can, delaying as long as he can to enable these people to have the opportunity to turn and come to righteousness. That's following the Lord. Any other way is not following him at this time. He's been so patient. He's waited till the very end of the night. He's coming at the time, basically, of the rooster crowing. That's the latest he can come, and he's coming. He says, um, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See that these people are going to come um, and they're going to see the Lord in this time. I'm, I'm going to go on down um, to the last part of this. He didn't really answer these people to see those people. He reached to see Jesus. And he's telling them, you know, you can see me, listen to me. Um, and this is really interesting. He's, in the verse 27, it says, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Uh, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your work in the kingdom, which means that the Father's work, Jesus said, was that we would be caused to believe in him whom he sent. So Jesus paid the price of the blood so that we could open up the mercy seat and receive the words. And that proves that he sent him, Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19. And by doing that and receiving the knowledge of the words, we glorify God because we're now glorifying, you know, the work of the Father. And that's what Jesus gave his blood for. And, okay, it goes on. It says, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it, his name, the Lord's name, and will glorify it again. See, he's, he's, he's working all the time, trying to save the people. Glorifying the Father is a causing people to turn to him. He doesn't relish in the destroying people. He does that. And like in Amos 4, he's telling us he does that because he has to do it for correction of these people. The law of knowledge is that he will do things, that he will lead them, and then they will stumble in their words so they fall backwards and be stronger. Those who persevere will overcome the world. We must turn and keep pursuing for the timing. The Lord said this. He says, the people, um, therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice does not come because of me, but for your sake. See, the Father is uh, glorifying his name. What is his name? His name is to make known that we would believe the words that Jesus was sent into the world to speak. And warns us, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtakes you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. It's like people who are like Korah. They, they're so convinced they were doing it right, and he didn't know he was going to go through the earth. And, and out into the pit. That's what's going to happen to them. He says, while you have the light, which is the entrance of the words, believe in the words. 
have have faith that the words are going to bring people to correction, to healing, to to receive it when it seems impossible. They will do it. That you may become sons of light. We become sons of light. Those who have the you know are peacemakers have the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is light. God says he, God is light, and, and there's no darkness in him. That's a son of God, a son of light. Okay. I just I wanted to show you that beside it and why he did that that way. Now let's look quickly at the one um, with the. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the spitting on the ground. When when they were, uh, you know, coming against the Lord, they spat in his face, beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands. See what Jesus said. Is that if a father would spit on a um, a daughter, she would be unclean seven days, because the um, the daughter. I mean, the, I don't think you'd spit in the face of them. I think I said spit in the face. You don't never want to spit in somebody's face. Never do that, um, because the face is the authority that God has given them, and you're spitting upon that authority that God has given them to do the work of the kingdom that he's given each person to do it. Everybody has been put the words in them for a work. And you don't have the right, we don't have the right to do that. And these people spit in Jesus. Um, and I think they even spit in his face. Uh, let's see, they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Um, spat on him, bowing on the knees. I don't see that they spit in his face. But they would spit on him. It was told in Mark 10 and so on. Um, and uh, the, they, they uh, did this with, a, you know, they uh, struck him uh, on the head. They struck him with the uh, palms of their hands. The palm of your hand is like your cup. You know, you, you use your hands to do the work. But the palm is considered to be like a cup. And remember, the palm tree is the symbol of doing good. So when they do this, they're doing the opposite of good. They're doing evil. They're, and they, because they struck something that was righteous and good and walking in the authority of God, they lost all their blessings by doing that. We lose our blessings ourselves. We don't, you know, blessing will stay with you no matter what somebody's done to you. But you lose the blessing by our own actions. We must be careful on this. God will never turn back from you. Until you turn away from him. But he's always there waiting on us to come to him. And he'll, he's like the, the, the prodigal son. He will welcome you back if you will turn and humble yourself and return to him. He will humble you back and put a ring on your finger, which is the authority of the kingdom. Um, we must remember that. Now, um, these things I'm just telling you. If to, to struck him on the head with a reed, that's very important to understand. The reeds are symbolic of the deepest part of the creation, the part at the bottom of the creation, the bottom of the abyss as reeds in the clouds. These reeds are growing out of the clouds that form the whole creation in a cube, as I've explained in, in writings, um, what the Lord had revealed. And I showed you the scriptures that I got that from in the book of Testimony of Numbers. So, and, you know, just pray to the Lord because he will make his words known to you. But he's telling us his truth reaches under the clouds. His truth is all his words. What 
all things are made by his word, so we can understand that the outer boundary of the whole entire creation is made of clouds. His truth reaches unto the clouds. All his works, everything he made. So we understand that the outer boundary is clouds. But he also tells us that at the bottom, the reeds come up. We do see that in the, uh, in the actions of Jonah. He went to the bottom of the reeds. And the sea of reeds captured the pharaoh in them. They went into the abyss. That's, that's the bottom. I mean, it, you know, there's reeds there, but it's symbolic of they're going there for eternal life. I mean, eternity. They're going to be judged for what they've done coming after his people. It's a terrible thing to come after people that God has brought out after you've let them go and you changed your covenant with, with God. And so he changed his covenant with God, and they, they were punished in the reeds, sea of reeds, which means that it's eternal. Now, um, they struck him on the head with reeds. And that's symbolic of striking the crown of righteousness, the very mind and heart of the person who given his life for them. He's doing that for them. Even the Gentiles, the Romans were doing these things. And, and it's a terrible thing for them to do. Um, but these people who spit on him, the, especially rabbis and so forth, what a terrible thing that is for them to do. They never paid attention to the words and they ignored their own scriptures like today. Shepherds are going to Washington. They're doing all these negotiations. They ignore the simple thing in Revelation 18 that when the light has entered the world and the light is the entrance of his words, then when the light is shining on the earth, then they are to come out from those uh, following these walking with fornication with the harlot, the city, the whole world system, and come out from them. Don't walk with them. You know, don't go seeking them. Don't go seeking their advice. Don't go helping them do evil. Their evils like weapon systems fighting. It's the time the kingdom of God to come with a light shone. We failed. I mean, look at the consideration for seven years of the evening. We had all authority to bring light on all the earth, and we did not do it as a people, as a church, as a as anything. We did not even testify of his words and not give the Lord. I mean, he was doing miracles after miracles from 2003 to 2010. And people, it's a shame what was going on. Even before that, he was doing great miracles. But he especially did it through that time. And the people were trampling upon it, and God bring those they basically, those kind of people just go away to, to destruction. And even the ones continuing today will go to destruction. But they're going to go into the judgments now. And separation judgments it's going to be very bad for them. And the plagues will begin to come upon them. As he says, they'll get their share. And a share is by the accordance of their judgments that's going to come upon them. Now, this thing about the, uh, the man born blind in John 9, 1 to 12, is, says, Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And uh, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, this is important. The works of God shall be revealed in him. So pay attention to what's going to happen. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. The ending of this night is separation judgment is the ending of the work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, remember that the night for the wicked is going to go into the morning. In other words, it's going to continue all morning. It's going to be darkness for them unless they receive their punishment and then repent and worship God, uh, you know, zealously, or they'll go on and get the trumpet judgments as early. 
Okay. Works of him while the night is coming when no one can work. When the words of the God go out of the world, they cannot work. And remember, he sees us now as uh, people that have no wall. We have no strength. That's what he's saying. We have no protection of God because we are like dead men walking. And I could have went into that tonight a little bit more, but I'm not going to because it's going to take too long. I'll do that tomorrow. Uh, considering why are we looked at as dead men walking? It's in the scriptures. We need to understand it very clearly. Um, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he said, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Please understand, the word Siloam is sent, means he was sent. When we go to Revelation 3, 14 to 22, in verse 18, he says, uh, let me read 17, 18. Um, this is, the Lord says, Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed. See, gold refined in the fire is purification. The white garment is the knowledge of God and only doing good works, not evil, not darkness. And he says that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See, when you anoint the eyes with eye salve, you're talking about understanding. That was the, see what he did here? I counsel you to buy gold, find fire, it's the first spirit. Second spirit was in white garments that you may be clothed, of which have knowledge. And that the shame of your nakedness shall not be revealed because you have knowledge, knowledge of truth that he desires all men to come to. And then anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see, be able to understand how to do the ways of the good work. So when you anoint people's eyes with the clay, you're, you're anointing them to be able to see. First is they should know that there's words of God. And then when you anoint their eyes with the eye salve, it should begin to them if they continue to seek the words of God and don't turn back. They will begin to see that the Lord, you're at, you're doing away the words for them or for yourself. And you're then allowing the Lord, giving him authority in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven to do what he says in Proverbs 1.23. You've turned to him. He will pour out his spirit upon you and cause you to know his words. He will cause you to see. And then you can ask him for counsel. You can ask him, Lord, I, I, how do I begin to do these words for somebody? Show me how to do something for somebody. Give me an opportunity. Let me do good for thy glory, Lord, not for my sake, not for my doubting, not for my lack of faith, my lack of hearing the word, but because, dear Lord, I want your kingdom to be glorified. And I don't want any credit for this, Lord. Let it be done so that the people don't even know what's being done. But then I can see, dear Lord, that you are doing good works. And it'll begin to begin to fester with these people. But if you want to see that it doesn't work, and there's no hope for you. You have no faith. And you have evil intent, which is a terrible thing. But here you see, he wants you to anoint your eyes with eye salve. And that's why you take the clay and he puts it on his eyes so they can begin to see. And when he came back, he was able to see. And he was washed and he came back seeing. we got to be washed in the water of the words to be refined. Be able to go on to refinement. To have understanding. And this guy, when he came back and talked, he... He started teaching the the rabbis because he, he had understanding. And, and he's like, 
How can it be that you guys have learned the scriptures and you cannot see these things? That's why people that have the word to look at people, you know, it's astonishing to them that the people do not see the words in the scriptures. Now, you know, God will bring them and it's going to be compelling them. And the time of troubles have come, they're going to turn. They're going to want to know the truth. But, you know, they're not trying right now to seek it from the God, to test it with the Lord. And, and look at Proverbs one twenty three. Look at John fifteen seven. Look at First John five fourteen to fifteen, and begin to understand that there's words of God that are set apart as holy. You know, are you, all your words holy? You think the whole Bible is holy? Yes, because God has protected it and written it and protected it. But what's it doing? It's to bring you to the knowledge of truth. What is the truth? God's words that make all things, that all things are done by. The words that never come back to avoid. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people tonight. I pray, Lord, that they will understand. Dear Lord, it's it's like we say, dear Lord, in, in Isaiah 59. Lord, in verse 10, it's it's like, well, really, 9-11, I think it was, Lord. Where you're saying that justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. See, we, we, we are not trying to overcome the world by harvesting the people through righteousness. We think we have righteousness, but righteousness is being able to do the words of God in the time of the God, in accordance to the plan of God. Righteousness is understanding the way of you, Lord, and the words of God that you spoke. And dear Lord, we pray that they'll understand that. Because Lord, you told us in John 15, 7, that if we would follow you, abide in you, and abide in your words, then what we desire will be done for us, because our desire will be the kingdom. We'll understand that the kingdom, we don't want to live in this world. We want to live in the kingdom of God on earth. And dear Lord, we need to let them understand that this is the time where you're to reign over the earth for seven years, a time where you're going to purify us, wash us white, give us white garments of knowledge, and then you're going to refine us with the ability to understand how to do good works to glorify you. And Lord, you'll give us great counsel at that time to do things that were even greater than what you did, as you said, dear Lord. And dear Lord, you told us that if we do these things, in Daniel 12, 2 to 3, you tell us, that we're going to shine like the firmament and some like the stars forever, being able to pull out, see the stars pour out the good works. The firmament understands your laws, your ways, your plan, your kingdom, and your judgments. Lord, we thank you. We pray, Lord, that we'll understand these things and be able to enable great good works for your kingdom, that you will be glorified. Father, guide us. Let the word be heard, people. And let your word go out before us, Lord, and let them let it penetrate people, Lord, and begin to stir them up. Dear Lord, stir them up with the sins that they have, like you did with the men, dear Lord, that came to, to curse the harlot. And Lord, you stooped down and you stirred the earth like you're going to do this time. Lord, you told us you would stir the earth at this time, shake it. And dear Lord, it's going to be like in the days of Uzziah, where that plague, dear God, of leprosy came. That was the earthquake that they're talking about. It wasn't the kind of shaking, dear Lord, that the people are expecting. Lord, your, your earthquake stirs them. Dear Lord, it will stir them and cause their sins to be known. It's going to be a compelling event, a new thing that nobody's ever seen before. You're going to cause them to know their sins because, Lord, they're going to be, if they don't turn, they're going to receive these sins of the world. And, Lord, they're going to see the anger that's in them. Lord, we pray that the people understand when the word departs from people, anger comes in. And they, they'll justify anything. And dear Lord, we pray that they'd understand that's not of you. And if they seek your kindness, peace will come to them. 
Well, we pray, dear Lord, that they will want your peace because then they'll be assured of entering your kingdom. We ask this in thy precious, thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.